You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Out of the shotgun, second down. Second and six, snap to Rodgers, looking downfield, swings it out left side. Got Dylan, makes the catch, running down the left sideline. He's to the 40, 45, 50, stays in play. Still on his feet to the 40, to the 35, 30, and tumble down. Inside the Seattle 30-yard line of the 26. The big fella tight roping the sidelines in front of Pete Carroll on the Seattle bench. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, it's been a pretty busy day um, waiting on all of the injury news to come out. Um, I, I hate to say that it's positive because obviously there's some pretty devastating news and that is that Whitney Merciless appears to be done for the season. Um, he tore his bicep, and it looks like the Packers are um, already in the process of finding a replacement because we're getting extremely thin once again at that position due to injury after injury after injury. The positive news is that we could have been down an additional player, but it sounds like Rashawn Gary, who is, as we all know, a complete freak of nature, is going to try to play through his pretty horrific injury. They're going to try to put him in some kind of a cast, sling, I don't know what. I guess it wasn't a shoulder injury, it was an elbow injury, which probably helps. I was, I was saying, I don't know how you could play through that if it's a shoulder injury. I don't know what you would do, but if it's obviously an elbow injury, you just cast up that whole arm, and you know, once, if, as long as it's not movable, you should be okay. Not that there isn't going to be pain, but as long as you're not risking moving that elbow, you should be all right. Um, So uh, absolutely insane. I don't know exactly how productive he's going to be with that cast. I know, obviously, Nick Perry played with a club at the position for quite a long time, but um, it's one thing to lose your hand. It's another thing to lose uh, mobility at one of your joints that (laughs) moves your arm. But... um, Having him is going to be fantastic. Hopefully, they're going to be able to do that. On top of that, Aaron Jones, um, and I I made it a point yesterday on my live stream as well as on the podcast to not speculate too much, Um, but it did sound bad, but I I said, you know, you never really know about these things. You got to wait and see, and I don't want to sit here and talk about he's gone for the year, and then it turns out we all overreacted for nothing, and it sounds like a lot of us did. It seems as though it's a one- to two-week recovery for what Aaron Jones has. Now, that's up in the air. Anything can happen. We see this all the time where it's like, you know, somebody pulled their hamstring. It's like, all right, don't miss a game, and he ends up missing eight weeks because it just it just will not heal. Um, but the fact that we do have a bye week coming up is going to be beneficial, and, and so the, the general thought is we'll have Aaron Jones back by then. So, um, I mean, look... All things considered, I guess you could say it was a positive, but obviously at the end of the day, what happened is we lost Aaron Jones for a couple weeks. We lost Whitney Merciless for the season, and Rashawn Gary's going to be in a cast for who knows how long. And and exactly what uh, the repercussions of that are, I'm not entirely sure. So, um, I mean, the injury bug just continues to be terrible. And uh, I I also don't want to overshadow how big of a blow this is for Whitney Merciless. This is a guy that for a long time was a pretty uh, struck fear in the hearts of offensive linemen for many years in Houston, especially when that defense was really humming with J.J. and the whole crew. And um, his career kind of took a dip, and he hasn't really been an impact player for a very long time. Comes to Green Bay, sees immediate, immediate um, results. I mean, it just his, his career seemingly was turning around um, it was not a, a slow turnaround. It was it was day one. 
And so it's uh, unfortunate for him to not be able to finish out this season uh, and finish strong. Obviously, he was already making an impact for this team. I would go so far as to say he was our number two pass rusher on the team um, pretty much from day one. And um, so that's, it sucks for the Packers. It sucks for Merciless. Is it weird that I want to call him a boy named Whitney? <laughs> I can't get over the fact that his, his parents decided to call him Whitney and he's an NFL football player. Like, is, that has to be a boy named Sue kind of a thing, doesn't it? Not to go on a tangent here in the middle of talking about him getting injured, but if that was the plan, it worked because he is a bad dude. It's a great song, by the way. But anyways, I, I did listen to uh, the Green Bay Packers press conferences. I wanted to highlight a couple different things that I heard in there. Before we get to that, though, I asked everybody on my Patreon how they were feeling about the season. Um, speaking of Patreon, thank you very much to John Vogel for jumping on Patreon. Greatly appreciate that. But I, th- I think overall, it's just for me personally, if I if I were to give my opinion on this podcast or the team, and Aaron Rodgers kind of talks about this. I don't remember if I clipped that or not, but just sort of the idea of embracing and getting used to the fact that this is just a completely different football team. And I've kind of been talking about that, about how I just don't trust the defense. And I keep thinking the offense is just going to get better. And it's just, none of these things are guarantees. Maybe the offense just isn't number one offense in the NFL this year. Maybe the defense really is top three defense in football, and it's just going to stay that way. With varying degrees of fluctuation here and there. But uh, either way, the results are the results. They're winning, right? There was there was a week one mishap, and then there was a game we nearly won with Jordan Love at quarterback against the Kansas City Chiefs. It's the only two losses we have this entire year. So it's a weird adjustment to have to try to get used to. And obviously, we all hope the offense can get into a slightly better rhythm than they have been because it just has not been good enough. But um, I'm having fun. Kurt says it's so much fun to be able to cheer for a really incredible defense for once. Nice change of pace from what we've been, what we're used to. Would like it if we didn't have a high, have to hide our head in shame at special teams, though. Special teams is, it, it's really annoying too because nothing should ever be this bad. Nothing should be this bad. I think especially special teams. I'm willing to bet special teams doesn't have like a 500-page playbook. I mean, offense doesn't either. But you, you get my point. You kind of just do one thing in each phase, and you do it well. And so when we're talking about something like snap the ball, hold the ball, kick the ball, basic special teams operations, when that's failing, that's really annoying. We're an 8-2 and two football team, arguably the best team in football right now. And the one thing that's threatening to undo everything is the fact that we can't do snap, hold, kick. Come on, man. Come on. But I agree, it, it is fun. Um, I, I think it makes it easier to cheer for the Packers in a weird kind of a way. Again, it, it's as much as it's nice to have that number one defense, as much as it's nice to have the best quarterback in football and scoring all these points, it feels like nobody really respects you when you don't have a defense. Like, oh, cool, you have Aaron Rodgers, whoop de doo the rest of your team sucks, your defense sucks. It's just, it's really hard to talk trash to a team that, you, you struggle to score more than seven points against. I mean, I, I really don't know if the Chiefs get beyond much beyond seven points. Heck, I don't know if it wasn't a shutout if the special teams wasn't a disaster in Aaron Rodgers' plays. You got to take into account how bad special teams was, and on top of that, how many opportunities they got because our offense couldn't even get basic first downs. There's just something about the toughness of the team overall, right? I've, I've mentioned it before, but the, uh, the knock on the Packers was always that they're soft. Nobody cares that your quarterback throws for 350 yards if your defense can't stop the run ever, right? Wow, cool, you scored 40 points and gave up 38. You're trash. I mean, again, I think it's more mentality than anything, but you're, you're already seeing, for example, when people go on Twitter, let's say non-Packer fans, and talk about how the Packers' defense is actually legit. The response you see usually isn't, yeah, but their offense is trash. They try to tear down the defense isn't actually legit. Why? Because that's a more legitimizing factor to a lot of people that hate the Packers. They've got an open-ended shot to punch Aaron Rodgers right in the nose and say, yeah, but look at what this, this offense is doing. Their offense can barely score points. They can barely keep pace. They can barely do this. Look at Aaron Rodgers. What happened to MVP? They're not even taking the bait. Because the, the idea of a Green Bay Packers defense being just this smash mouth, can't score, can't move, smothering, swarming defense is terrifying. 
Nobody wants to admit that. Bears fans, Vikings fans, Lions fans, even just anybody else around the NFL that doesn't want to believe the Packers are legit. This is this is a revolutionary concept because the Packers defense is always bad. Cognitive dissonance. People feel more uneasy about the idea of a Packers defense that's scary than they do feel excitement about the Packers offense being a little sluggish. And I actually think that's kind of interesting. Especially, by the way, when you look at the Vikings and Bears fans, because the Vikings and Bears especially prioritize and take pride in their defense. The Bears in particular, but the Vikings also, let's be honest, their identity, both teams' identity is defense. And right now, the Green Bay Packers, who are known for having the better offense, who are known for having this elite quarterback that has tormented them for years, that team has an elite defense well above what the Vikings and the Bears are able to do right now. And that is just absolutely causing massive distress. They won't admit it, but go try that experiment. And I'm sure somebody will throw shade out there uh, toward the offense. But from what I've seen all over the internet, whether it's Brett Coleman or PFF or whoever else, people are just now, for the first time, discovering the Packers defense has been doing some pretty impressive things. Go look at the comments. Oh, yeah. Oh, stupid uh, Russell hurt his finger. Doesn't count. Pat Mahomes is, is, is playing like garbage, even though he just put up like 40 points against the Raiders. Somebody even went so far as to say, uh, Kyler Murray's injured. I think he got injured on like the last play of the game or something. They're trying to come up with every excuse possible to diminish how good the defense has been. Well above and beyond the offense. And part of it is because they've lived with the offense since forever. They know that. They understand. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers and the offense are good. Great. Who cares? But when the rest of the NFL especially, it's one thing for Packer fans to say, our defense is great, our defense is great. But when other people, national people, start talking about how great the Packers' defense is, knowing full well that they don't have Jair and Zadarius and some of these other players, it's breaking brains out there right now. People are losing it. Anyways, continuing on, David says, top three defense, I'm feeling amazing. The offense will eventually get better, uh, get it together, especially with all the opportunities the defense is affording them. I tend to think that's right. Um, but I just, I don't know what I have to base that on so far. But I'm optimistic. Matt says, the defense is a blast to watch. Once I told myself it's okay that they give up a lot of yards on occasion, or a big play once in a while, but that they typically won't break uh, and allow many points, I was less stressed than in previous years. That is a good point. I mean, uh, first of all, they, it seems like early on they used to give up, they were bend, don't break. I remember making that comment all the time. They were bend, don't break. They'd give up all these yards and then would lock it down. And they just kept doing that, and it kept, it was the same thing. It was it was where I just had to trust, like, listen, I know this is bad, but somehow they always come up with a way. Same with that Kevin King pick, right? I, I had just given up and realized, okay, this is going to be a touchdown. And then we get a pick, and it's like, how do they keep doing this? Like, this is impossible. And again, just a reminder to myself, you got to trust it. You just got to trust it. But um, they are third in yards right now, so they're, they're giving up no yards all of a sudden. He goes on to say, the offense isn't what I would call high-performing, at least not consistently. Our special teams is anything but special this year, and they still need to be cleaned up. Overall, doing well, minus injuries and special teams, and we have a lot of upside yet to realize. Here he says, worried about Rashawn and Jones, but enjoying anticipating watching the defense play as much as the offense. Seems to be a common theme here. Uh, Ramesh says, slightly worried about offense when faced against good teams and missed field goals. The other issue is not good teams. Um, and look... I, I mean, you can say, well, you underestimated the Seahawks. They're better than you were saying that they were. I mean, okay, I went through the players, but okay. And the Chiefs, we didn't have Rodgers, so okay. And the Cardinals had a good defense, so that's fine. What about Washington? Their defense currently is ranked 28th, which is about as bad as they were when we faced them. We only scored 24 points. What about the Bears? They ranked 22nd. I mean, it's not bottom three but they're not good. We only scored 24 points. The Bengals, we scored 25 points. They're 12th. So again, they're, they're basically an average defense. So, I mean, they, they have not really been able to do much regardless of the quality of the defense. Now, it's nice to know that they really didn't regress against good defenses either. I mean, it's, it's a weird thing because you look at it and say, dude, you went up against a bad defense and only got 24 points. You went up against another not super great defense, and Seattle scored 17. Yeah, but they got 24 against Arizona. They got 27 against Pittsburgh. That is a good defense. So I don't know. I don't know what that means, but it, it's it's a weird thing, and I, and I just, and I think some other people allude to this later on on, on Patreon and whatnot, but I'll get it in now just in case. 
I think they need to do a better job of burying teams that are not good. I mean, the defense is doing that right now. The defense is holding their own against good offenses, and if you're not a good offense, they're going to freaking bury you. I mean, embarrass you. I mean, they're going to embarrass you either way. It's just a matter of, are you going to actually get a respectable score, or are they going to shut you out entirely? Um, Brandon says, I think Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur need to have a heart-to-heart about inside the five-yard line. Need to understand you can run into a stack box with the running back a couple times who's capable of pushing the pile. I I think there's a a broader point. I think you're, first of all, 100% right, and you've been proven correct based on what we saw last week. But I think there's a broader point that I mentioned before, and that is, and I, I understand what the Packers are doing. What the Packers are doing is saying, the defense is showing us something. No matter what the defense is in, they're strong somewhere and weaker somewhere else. Right? If they play two high safeties, then that tells us we should be able to win with this. If they're going to play man-to-man, we should be able to win with this. If they're going to play a light box, we should be able to run the ball. And so they're always playing the numbers. They're always playing the advantage, assuming that we'll be able to win because we have an advantage and we trust our guys across the board, whether it's offensive line, running backs, wide receivers, quarterback, whatever. We trust that our guys are going to win those, those advantageous matchups. That's the way the Packers are operating. And Rodgers being entirely cerebral is 100% on board with that. If I'm able to read the defense, this is what he's killed people with his entire career. If I can read the defense and see what you're in, I can check to the receiver and say, you got one-on-one, I want you to do this, expect him to win, I'm going to expect myself to make the throw and we're good to go. And at the same time, we're looking at it and going, dude, it's, it's first and goal from the three and you threw the ball four times and turned the ball over. Yeah, but I mean, look at the matchup. Look at look at what they gave us. I mean, based on that, we should have. But, but listen to me. Just just stop for a second. Just stop. You didn't run the ball one time. I understand the matchups. I under I get all that. But at some point, you gotta just kind of step back and assess the situation. And I think the reason Arizona worked is because yes, they ran the ball a lot, and it was it was great. But also, they felt that was their game plan going in. This is where we can beat them. This is where our advantage is. So they wrote, wrote that out. The problem comes in when teams start showing looks that give the Packers the impression that they should be able to win with this or that route. And I can't speak fluently within that, but you get what I'm saying. And to your point, and I think you're absolutely right, sometimes even though we don't have an advantage against a stack box, we're winning, right? I mean, that, that was the whole complaint against, what was it, the Chiefs? It was. A.J. Dillon, six yards per carry. Yeah, well, they were stacking the box. They were daring us to throw. No, 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 I get it. I get it. But they were unsuccessful. It's one thing to stack the box and threaten. It's another thing to stack the box and actually stop. And the point is, they weren't able to stop us. So just keep doing it. I understand that that's like telling somebody to hit with an 18. But, I mean, do it. And I don't mean this is like the plan from now on, just run forever and never let Aaron Rodgers throw the ball. I'm just saying, on some level, there needs to be, at at number one, an ability to look at what's working and what's not and just leave the advantages aside for a second and just say, okay, this is working and this is not working and we're going to ride this until they make an adjustment and stop it, right? Just like with the screen. You don't usually see like back-to-back screens called like that, but the point is Hackett was talking to Fleur, telling him, run a screen, run a screen, run a screen. He finally did. It worked. And then they're like, let's just go right back because the, the point is Seattle didn't adjust. Whatever it was that made it look like the screen was going to work, the screen didn't force them to change anything. So they're like, all right, we'll do it again. And the point is, if they never change it, keep running. Eventually, they're going to stop it. But so what? Keep running it until they stop it or until you see them make some kind of an adjustment. Part of it is riding the hot hand, but also part of it is just common sense. If you've got three yards to go and multiple attempts to do it, you need to be running the ball. You need to at least try to run the ball. I mean, you can think about it from the other perspective. If it's third and 18, They're obviously not going to be loading up the box. That doesn't mean you run the ball. You got to just throw it. Matt says, I was at the game yesterday and the atmosphere was electric. From my observation, the defense was totally brought into Barry's scheme. They don't play selfish and swarm to the ball. I would usually get concerned when an injury would happen, but not anymore. The coaching staff for the defense has been getting better every week, and these guys are in sync with the game plan, and it feels like they're dictating to the opposing offense versus the opposite. We're going to be getting into a ton of that. A lot of these sound clips are about the defense and what's been working with the defense. And and a lot of what you're saying is true. You know, it's almost kind of funny because there's so many people we're supposed to be giving respect to now. And at some point, you kind of just get to the point, and I feel like this is where I'm at, where it's like, you know, much respect 
to a lot of guys on this defense. But at some point, you just kind of got to recognize that um, there's a lot of guys who, let's just say, have not really had a ton of success that are finding a ton of success. I already talked about Whitney Merciless. You could talk about Razul Douglas. You could talk about Kevin King. You could talk about Devondre Campbell. So yeah, obviously some credit goes to the players, but this is not just simply a coincidence. And um, I know everybody's already giving a ton of respect to the defensive coordinator, so I'm not going to pretend that that's not happening. But um, maybe maybe a larger portion, <laughs> maybe like a tithe from, from our respect from each player goes to the defensive coordinator. Like Joe Barry's great, plus Kevin King is doing really well. 10% of that respect I'm giving right back to Joe Barry. But we'll kind of touch on that a little bit too. Uh, Matt says defense is doing great. Offense uh, is good, but could use some work. Special teams need some serious work. So that's kind of a consistent theme. Mark says, I'm worried about our offense. Uh, Jones, Gary, and Crosby. I'm enjoying our offensive line play and our defense. I'm enjoying being able to watch a game and be comfortable that we're, uh, we aren't really ever out of it, which is just crazy because it felt like we were out of that game from the start. Three points is nothing in the NFL. If you would have told me the Packers were going to uh, basically just not score the entire game, <laughs> um, yeah, I would have thought we got annihilated. So yeah, keeping us in the game is is an understatement for what the defense has done. Ray says, I feel great, all caps. We got a defense and we know the offense will find some rhythm. So again, kind of a consistent theme there. Goes on to talk about how Rodgers didn't practice. And again, I, I really do think that was a big part of it. And, and part of the clips are Rodgers saying exactly that. Goose says, this defense is easily top two for any Packers defense I've ever watched. I'm a little worried for, with Gary being down. Um, offense, a little worried about it. Glad to see LaFleur stuck in the run game. Hopefully Bach coming back will help. It's another one that it's just, we keep talking about how great the defense is and they're still missing pieces. We kind of forget that one of the best offensive football players in the NFL is coming back to our offense at some point in the near future. On top of that, I don't know that the biggest issue with this offense isn't the offensive line. It hasn't been terrible, but it really hasn't been great. And the and the run blocking has been the biggest problem, I would say. Been kind of contemplating when I did my mock draft what I think the Packers would prioritize. And I, I just I kind of came to the conclusion that I think if they just hammer offensive line, considering how well the defense is doing right now, um, wide receiver is probably going to be a necessity just based on depth. But I, again, I'm assuming Devontae is going to stay. And um, I don't know. We don't need to get too much into that. But it just feels like offensive line is the one thing that if they could really hammer it, it would just take this thing all the way to the top. If this is a top offensive line, like it has been for many years, but not necessarily right now, the, the one that just keeps Rodgers clean very consistently, but also is just dominant in run blocking, which they just have not been all year. They're just not very good at it. In fact, PFF ranks the Packers 28th in run blocking. So one of the worst in the NFL. That needs to get better. Jorgen says, I feel real good. Uh, very much seems as if this could be one of the better defenses the Packers have had in the Rodgers era. I think that's pretty undeniable. We got to see where it ends. Obviously, when we think back on the different defenses, we look at how they were over the course of the season. Different defenses had different runs here and there. But if they finish this way, this may be one of the best in Rodgers era, if not the best. Uh, he says the downside is that it seems as if Rodgers isn't willing to get with the program, and at least in the last game, he had a lot of issues. Well, again, uh, let's give him a week. Either way, you're right. He's not been anywhere near MVP caliber. Um, he's had maybe one game this year where you look at and say, that is that is an incredible quarterback. He's been good, and that's fine, but with the looming Jordan Love slash moving on to some new quarterback, even if it's not Jordan Love, question lingering. If the standard is get somebody that can just operate within an offense, even if you don't like Jordan Love, is there a free agent quarterback that you can go grab? As an example, Cam Newton just went to a new team. Is that a guy, not saying he's Aaron Rodgers level, but if Aaron Rodgers just is just playing at a level of distribute the ball within the system, point is he has to be better than that if we're going to pay the guy $40 million to be the guy. You can't just be a high-level system quarterback who has, you know, once every three or four weeks just has a down game. That's just not going to cut it. But again, fully expect that this is going to get turned around and uh, hopefully starting with the Vikings. That'd be great. John says, wasn't a commanding uh, performance by the offense, but it was solid. Defense dominated. Great to see. 
He says, this was not an ugly win. It was, in fact, really pretty and satisfying. That's, that's actually an interesting perspective. Usually in games like this, we're just not satisfied. But considering this was such an unbelievably dominant performance by the defense, I don't know if anybody even considers it an, an, an ugly win. Some people might. But the overall feel of it doesn't feel like an ugly win. You, you walk out of this game feeling like this is a, a dominant football team. And not only that, the, the media narrative. There aren't a lot of people looking at this game going, dude, Green Bay's in trouble. They won, but they're in trouble. Most people looking at this game are going, dude, that's a scary team. Trevor says, feeling good about the team's ability to win despite injuries, but the number of injuries are getting concerning. Uh, that, that 100%. There is a line at which you just can't recover, and we're just walking dangerously close to that. Goes on to say he's a little concerned about the offense. Jeremy says, I'm feeling good with how the team has overcome so much and continues to win games. The mentality of this team is definitely strong, and you love to see it. That last part was me, but agreeing. Aaron says, the only thing that comes to mind is content. My expectations have been tampered due to all the injuries, but the team keeps exceeding my expectations. Again, we're all kind of saying the same thing, but from very... These are all very good perspectives. It's very similar to what other people have said, but it's again, it's the same thing. We expect disaster, and it just never comes. Whether that's from, here's an injury, it's going to be a disaster, and it's not. Or our offense can't score, and eventually the defense is going to do something, and they just don't. And they don't score any more points. They don't get to three, they don't get to seven, they don't get to ten. Like I said, or, or like when they constantly get down in the red zone, and you think, all right, here's going to be that score. Here's going to be the field goal or the touchdown or whatever. And you just kind of concede that in your heart and you start doing the, the, the calculations in your head and you go, okay, so they're going to get a touchdown here. That's fine. There's a slim chance that they won't. And, and maybe they'll just get a field goal or something. But if they get a touchdown here, we're down four. We've got an opportunity to come back and do some damage. I mean, it'll be fine. Just they, they get their one touchdown. The defense has done great up to this point. Don't get mad at the defense. And sure enough, Kevin King gets a pick. And it's like, this is impossible. This is, this is stupid. These things don't just keep happening, but yet they just keep happening. Edward says, I, uh, I'm thinking we need one more blowout to get it all focused for the stretch. I tend to agree. And, and, and listen, it's, it's going to sound greedy, right? Well, come on, they're, they're, they're winning all these games. You're, you're being selfish, unnecessary, greedy, whatever. The, we've all acknowledged that something doesn't quite seem right. And I think what he's getting at, and it's what I tend to agree with, is the get right is a game in which everything just kind of clicks. They need that sort of game where everything just kind of comes together and gels and clicks, right? It was, it was sort of the run the table moment when, um, when something sort of suddenly clicked and Aaron Rodgers went into the locker room and said, guys, I'm telling you, something's different. Something clicked and things are going to get a lot better from here on out. I'm completely paraphrasing or just more or less making that all up, but that's more or less what he said. And I think they need that. That, that one moment where it's like, all right, we're all finally on the same page. Monday Night Football starting. Here we go. Go 49ers as much as it makes me want to throw up. Caleb says injuries make me nervous, but uh, we're getting big pieces back. Healthy O-line with Dylan smashing or our D getting Zadarius and Alexander back. You have to be excited about this team. I do hope we get Z back. It, it, every day and week that goes on, I just feel like, I don't think he's coming back, man. It's just because every time they ask Lafleur about it, he's like, yeah. We'll see. I mean, he's not the one initiating it. He's not like, you know, Zadarius is looking good. And, uh. People ask, and they're like, you know, are we getting him back this year? And he's like, uh, Zed- uh yeah, um, I don't know. I, yeah, I hope so. Well, I, eh, I, haven't, I haven't thought about him in a while. Um, Zadarius, I haven't, uh, no, yeah, Matt, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's not even on the forefront of their mind. It's weird because obviously they haven't they haven't just completely shut him down, so they know that there is a chance, but they just don't seem super optimistic. At the very least, it doesn't seem optimistic that it's going to be soon. Could be entirely wrong. I mean, for all I know, he's coming back very soon. But um, every time I hear Lafleur talk about Zadarius, it just sounds like they just have no expectation of getting Zadarius back. But point taken, absolutely. This team is um, if they can stay. That's the other problem. We keep saying, man, will we get so-and-so back? Man, will we get so-and-so back? We're losing people as fast or faster than we're getting them back, and that's that's a problem. Chad says, feeling good about the team, pretty much the same as a lot of others. Injuries, especially to premier players, is concerning. D is killing it despite injuries. We get healthy and our offense gets to 90%. Exactly. Been there, said that, but agreed. Uh, Yancey says, good news on Gary and Jones. Feeling much, much better. Douglas says, feeling amazing. Football is about overcoming adversity and grit team is tough and never gives up, which is kind of, again, I just feel like there's something there. There's something to that aspect of people understand that that is football. And the Packers are playing real big boy football right now. 
But he says, I'm feeling better than the team that scores 38 and can't play defense and can't score from behind. And that is another aspect of this. Um, I haven't talked about it in a while, but I had mentioned it for a long time. And that's just the, the feeling of never being out of it. Whereas we used to be able to tell halfway through the first quarter if we were going to lose. And it was a horrible thing. And maybe it was us just being whiny, but we were also correct, right? You could see Rodgers kind of pouting. And, and to be fair, he was doing that in that last game. And that was kind of concerning me. He kind of had this like mopey, pouty attitude and it was making me nervous. But we used to see that all the time. The energy's low, they come out flat, offense can't get anything going, and you know this defense can't hold off. They might be able to stop them for like two series, but then the floodgates open, offense still can't get anything going, and we're headed for a bad day. And that just hasn't been the case with this team. The offense does come back, and the defense does hold strong. Eric says, am I the only one who gets nervous when special teams run on the field? No, dude. I mean, I, I just, if it's, if it's, we're, it's so bad. If we're talking about a 40-yard field goal or further, I'm kind of to the point where it's like, this is stupid, let's just go for it. Inside of, of, of the 30 or obviously in the 20s, it's like, all right, chip shot, let's, you know, let's give it a try. 30s, getting getting on the boundary, but, you know, let's take points where we can get it. But 40 yards or more, ah, just go for it, dude. I mean, especially, that's the other thing, with our defense being as good as it is, you feel good about them being pinned back a little bit. Like, yeah, I don't know, they got to travel quite a ways. That's more than 50 yards. I don't like their chances. <laughs> They're going to end up punting. So yeah, just everything about it just says, just go for it, dude. I Just whatever. It's not It's not like the old days with the Packers where you got to take every point you can get because the defense is going to keep giving it up. It's a new era. Jason kind of uh, adding on to what we've been saying says, uh, it's odd to say the offense are the ones that seem to need to find their groove. Once they do, it's going to be crazy. And then finally, Gary says, can we do a check-in on Kevin King's incentive-based salary and see how that's popping? No, I'm not going to do that today, but I'm very happy he's having a good, I can't even say day. He's been playing well this year. Anyways, folks, I'm trying to figure out the best way to go about doing this. Um, I think we'll stay the course. Maybe we'll do PFF tomorrow. I hate to disappoint y'all. I don't know. We'll take a break. During this break, I will contemplate what to do. Once again, I really would greatly appreciate it if you would at least consider jumping in on Patreon. You can jump in for as little as $1 a month. I know I'm slacking on the extra bonus podcast. I'm going to have to record in the car to get that done. Um, keep thinking I can get it done at home, and then I don't, and then, you know. But plenty more where that came from. But um, I am hopeful. We're at 277, 23 more patrons. Puts me at 300 patrons which puts us roughly at 30% of my total final goal, which long-term vision, that ain't bad. If we can close in on 30% this month, that's pretty massive. So if you've been on the fence, I'll just ask that you please consider that. Otherwise, let's take a break and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, 
kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I am going to go through the press conferences. I've only got three guys that I highlighted here, um, partially because as I went through the press conferences, some of them, like Matt LaFleur's, um, there just wasn't really anything of substance that I could really sink my teeth into. Um, and then also some of the other guys later on, it was kind of just repeating what other people were saying. But we're going to start off with A.J. Dillon. thought he had several uh, interesting things he was mentioning. Uh, I didn't get a clip of it, but uh, I did think it was kind of neat. He was talking about getting Aaron's trust. is all about consistency, but also about growth. Didn't feel it was necessary to get a whole clip of just that. But uh, I want to start off with a little bit. This is kind of me bragging a little bit. I have talked about A.J. Dillon, um, obviously, since we drafted him. I've mentioned how when we draft, before we drafted him, I was not a fan of A.J. Dillon. Now, that was all entire, same with Jordan Love and everybody else. It's all entirely based on I watched one, one game and just went, nah, I don't really get it. I mean, just he plows into an offensive line and goes down. Like, why? That's not interesting. Next. After we drafted him, I went back and watched all the games. And that's when I started to understand the, the upside of a guy like A.J. Dillon. The one thing that I had consistently said that kind of annoyed me about A.J. Dillon, and in fact, you can find this. Uh, if you go to the Packernet Podcast Facebook page, if you think I'm just lying about it, um, I did a video on Jordan Love. I did a video on A.J. Dillon. I think I did one on DeGuara. And in my A.J. Dillon video, I highlighted what I really liked about him, but I said the biggest problem is he's an upright runner. And all that power means nothing. It doesn't matter if you're 250 pounds. If you're going to run straight up and run into people, your power goes away. And then I highlighted one particular play where he went down real low and scooped a guy up and ran right through him. And I said, he has the ability. He just needs to do it more consistently. And I've, I've mentioned that several times on this podcast. And I also noticed, I, I, I don't remember if I mentioned it on the podcast or the stream, but I had talked about how he really started to lower his pads in this game. Maybe somebody else mentioned it and I kind of piggybacked on the comment. I don't know. But bottom line is, he did a better job in this game, and so I'm going to brag a little bit with this clip from A.J. Dillon saying, essentially, everybody's kind of agreed. Yeah, something I was, I've really been working on, um, you know, looking at the tape from last year, a point of emphasis for me uh, was really like running below my pads, uh, not running up so straight. So in those situations, you know, having good pad level really helps keeping the ball um, or keeping your legs moving. Uh, stuff like that. But I also know I had a couple of times where the big old linemen were pushing me along too. So, you know, it's always great when you got their help. And look, obviously for me, I think this is a game changer, especially if he starts doing it, because the, the biggest thing with him, and, and this, this we could also take into account how much of a great receiver he's become and everything else. But the biggest asset here is you've got a guy that is now a great receiver. He's got tons of speed and he's really big. But really big doesn't necessarily mean really powerful. But if he can start to lower his pads and really generate genuine power, and, and he's going to keep getting better at this, you've got a elite power back, a guy with tremendous speed and a great receiver. And he just keeps getting better every week. And the funny thing is, the last thing for him to develop has been the power. He's always had the speed. We didn't get to see it a ton, but occasionally he gets that big hole to run through and you can see it. He developed as a good receiver starting last year. It seems like the power aspect, and we've, we've seen it. We've seen the legs churn, and, and we've seen him kind of push guys, but that's nothing compared to what he's going to be able to generate if he can get down low. It may, it's going to make him unstoppable. I was talking to Blaine the other day about it and how, you know, there are times Aaron Jones shows unbelievably tremendous power. I mean, he'll, he does the same thing at the goal line once in a while, and really it's because of, of his pad level. He's already low to the ground, which is hard to stop. But if you can kind of get your pads even lower and drive your legs, you can take a smaller guy like Aaron Jones and really turn yourself into a real strong guy, even though his body type doesn't necessarily help aid him in that. 
if A.J. Dillon starts doing that with those massive quads that he has, on top of just being 250 pounds of mass, you really start to understand what that can truly translate into. Um, kind of highlighting what some of the guys on Patreon were talking about, how there's there's a different mentality, and we've all been talking about it here. Sorry if my voice sounds like it's quivering once in a while. I'm still trying to prevent myself from coughing. Um, but A.J. Dillon kind of highlights that aspect a little bit and gives a little bit of insight into um, what that's all been about. The, the grit factor, the, the next man up factor, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's a player's coach. Uh, you know, he's one of the, I don't know how to, I, I guess, put it into words, but he's kind of one of those guys, you know, has step in the huddle. He demands a lot of his players, um, but he also, you know, puts us in the best situations to prosper. Uh, he'll take the time to, you know, for me, obviously, big change from last year to this year is getting in the receiving game. Like, one thing that pops into my head is him taking the time to, break things down when we got a whole offense going, but he'll pull me aside and be like, hey, this is how you can do it. This is how you can improve. Um, and that's how he is with everybody. And so, um, and all our coaches are like that, but <clears throat> especially him, the head coach, um, I think that kind of, you know, just kind of shows the group that we have. And I'm honored to be a part of this family, for real. Moving on now to Chris Barnes. This is kind of a similar, I actually thought AJ Dillon was about to say what he's about to say. I had him confused, but similar thing, right? It, it's all about what is it that's working so well here is Chris Barnes' take on that exact same issue. Is that what's part of what's being so successful here? Yeah, I think, you know, we're just all communicating, uh, you know, from the front end to the back end, um, and then it all kind of meshes together. Um, you know, our, our D-line is having great rushes, uh, playing great, you know, sound defense our front and the run. Um, and that allows our safeties to play, you know, play back some more. They don't always got to bite on a run fake. Um, you know, and our, our back end is doing a great job, you know, covering, you know, whoever it might be. Um, and like I said, Coach Barry's put us in great positions, you know, each play call, and we're really setting us up for success. So as long as we go out there, continue to do our 111, like I keep saying, keep flying around, um, I think, you know, good things will happen. All right, that's not what I was looking for either. <laughs> Somebody said that it starts, it's, it's with our, it starts with our leadership. It starts with our coaches and works its way down to Aaron Rodgers or, or to the leaders of our, of our locker room, whatever. That's what I was hoping that was going to be. But that was, that was Barnes kind of giving an insight into the defense. And a lot of these guys kind of highlighted that aspect of it, that it's, first of all, I heard the term 111th like a thousand times. Chris Barnes said it like 50 times. Kevin King said it a bunch of times. The media started repeating it. They started saying it to Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur started saying it. Um, obviously, that's a major emphasis. Just do 111th because, you know, there's 11 guys on the field. Just do your job is what that means. But um, th- this is pretty much what Chris Barnes said the entire time. I mean, it was it was similar questions about what's working so well. I've got three different clips of him kind of just elaborating on all that. Um, but I think if I got this clip right, um, the thing I really liked about this, and I think it's kind of an under, something that I haven't really talked about, I don't know if anybody else really has. It's not just a matter of play calling in that spot. And it's not just a matter of guys executing and just doing their job. There's also a game plan aspect. There's an aspect in which Joe Barry says, this is what we're, we're going to game plan for in preparation for this particular team, because I think they're going to do this, and if we do this in response, we can succeed. If he gets that part wrong, they're in trouble, because now we miscalculated. I thought we could do this to stop this. That's not working. We got to rebuild this whole thing on the fly. You get yourself into some trouble. I think Joe Barry's not just done a great job of getting the team ready and getting them prepared and teaching them how to play football his way and, and running a certain scheme. I think game plan is a massive part of this. Here's what uh, Chris Barnes had to say. Again, just kind of generally explaining why they're playing at such a high level. Um, I think we were just playing at a high level tonight. Um, we came out there and executed our plan, um, you know, how we should have. We practiced it all week. Um, came out there and everyone did their job flying around. Um, you know, a lot of guys stepped up for us um, flying around. So, like I said, I'm excited what this defense is doing, this whole team is doing. Uh, we're making strides every week. So, um, I'm, I'm excited to keep pushing forward, see what we do, and, uh, and see what the next challenge is coming forward. Chris, I'm reading the stat here. You've played Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, and Russell Wilson over the past three weeks. One total touchdown for those guys. I mean, you, you guys are playing the elite of the elite and still dominating what's, what's going so well. I'm just, uh, I think we're playing for each other at this point. Um, you know, it doesn't matter who we're facing. It doesn't matter who the opponent is, the quarterback. It doesn't matter. Uh, I think we're going out there and just trying to play for each other, 
do our 111th and just fly around and make plays. You know, Coach, Coach Barry's put us in a great position, um, and all the coaches and the staff has put us in great spots during during the week as far as practice, so it's the right looks. And by the time game time comes, you know, we're seeing those looks and we're, ex- we're executing at a high level. So, like I said, I'm excited what the defense is doing. Uh, we're flying around making plays, and as long as we do that and give the offense the ball, shoot, we'll, we'll, we'll be good. So, again, the the the, the – aspect that I like about this is he kind of just takes the players out of the equation. Now, if you listen to, I think it was Amos in the next interview, um, somebody kind of makes a, a note about you put anybody in there and they succeed. And he's like, well, I don't know about just anybody, right? There, there is, of course, a level of um, high quality players playing at a high level. But it sounds like what they're really preaching to these guys is you almost turn them into I think it was it Malcolm in the Middle. He used to love that show, but Malcolm in the Middle. I think Reese, the brother, who was kind of a dummy bully kind of guy. At one point, I think he joined the Marines or the Army or something. And I mean, the guy was terrible in school, terrible at everything, but he became like the best soldier in the world because they just told him to turn his brain off, stop thinking, and just follow orders. And he turned into this unbelievable, unstoppable force. Could be getting some of that wrong. I don't know why that just clicked in my head, but it was a thing. And it's, it's sort of a general military thing too. I don't know. But um, it sounds kind of like that's what they're saying here. We're not looking for superheroes. We're not looking for stars. I need you to just do what you're told. You have one job to do, right? It's not to go chase the guy with the ball. It's not to, to help the guy in front of you or help the guy behind you. Joe Barry has built this scheme, and, and the only rule is do your job. And if you do your job, it's all going to come together beautifully. But all 11 guys have to do their independent duty. And if you do that, it'll all come together in the end. And again, that really is a credit to Joe Barry. But, but also, even he made a comment, something to the effect of, they're telling us what, what looks to be expecting, right? Just... So, I mean, these guys are, he's giving a picture that makes it seem like these guys are making it so easy for us. I don't have to overcompensate. I don't have to be a superstar. I just have to do my job. And as long as I do my job with passion, enthusiasm, and intensity, I will succeed in this defense. And and again, on top of that, he's telling us ahead of time, this is what they're going to do. Here's what I want you to do. And here's what I want you to watch out for, because this is exactly what they're going to try to do to you. This is exactly what they're going to do. When you see him line up like this, watch out for this guy. He's going to come at you in this way. And and again, Chris Barnes is just laying it out like they're, they're telling us, they're just handing us victory. The defensive staff is, hand, and I think every defensive coordinator wants this as an end result. But for some reason, it's working. You get buy-in, you get an understanding, and, and again, it, it, you listen to Devondre Campbell. He talks about how he loves that he just lets me be a linebacker. I think some defensive coordinators, they, they ultimately want this, but at the same time expect certain guys to play at an insanely high level, right? Linebackers in particular. Like I said, that, that's got to be one of the hardest jobs in the world because you're simultaneously a defensive tackle and a cornerback and a DB, right? You got to get up. I mean, sometimes you got to blitz like an edge rusher. Sometimes you got to run through, you know, the A gap and try to go up against these offensive linemen and either shed blocks or or whatever the case may be like a defensive tackle. Sometimes you got to drop in coverage like a safety. Sometimes you got to be in man coverage like a corner. I mean, it's such an unbelievably difficult position. It's a nearly impossible position to play. And Devondre is like, "Look, I came over here and the guys like, "Here, you just go be a linebacker. Here here's what you got here's what I want you to do. And if you do this, you'll succeed." And he just bought in wholeheartedly, said, okay, I'm going to do exactly this, and we'll see how it goes. And that's a big part of the reason why you have other guys succeeding that have never succeeded in other places. It's not that anybody can do this. Some people can't. It's not that anybody will succeed. There's probably certain types of players that they're looking for and others that will have a harder time. But it's, it's, a, it's a system that just says if you can come over here and just do your job with intensity, you have every reason to believe you'll be successful here. We've seen it with Razul Douglas. We've seen it with Whitney Merciless. We've seen it with Kevin King. We've seen it with, I mean, Eric Stokes, even though we don't know. I mean, maybe he's just great anywhere he goes, but we've seen success with him. We've seen a resurgence of uh, Kenny Clark. We've seen Rashawn Gary take a step. We've seen Preston Smith already be more successful than he was last year. Who am I missing? Dean is better. Savage, I would not say, is better, and, and nor would I say Amos is better, although he's playing incredibly well right now, and he's on his way to being just as good, if not better. But we also heard how if there's any position on this defense that's going to be stressed in terms of you are the ones that really need to be 
you know, cerebral here and kind of know a lot, it's safety. But it's it's hard to pinpoint any one player and say this guy went backwards or or even to just say this guy didn't get better. Every single one of our linebackers, Chris Barnes, Oren freaking Burks, Devondre Campbell, all of them, Garvin, he comes in and he's playing, <laughs> he's playing, it's hard to tell sometimes the difference between him and Rashawn. I know he's not at that level, but he comes in, he makes plays. It's like he plays five snaps and he's got at least one or two pressures every time he comes on the field or every time he plays in a game. Slayton's having a, a good go of it. So it's exciting stuff. Anyways, here is um, Aaron Rodgers. This is the last clip I'm going to play. And it really just goes to what I've been talking about and a lot of people have been talking about in terms of, you know, it does make a difference when you're gone all week. And, and although we kind of know that, we don't really know the nuance behind it. Here's Aaron Rodgers kind of talking about some of the complications he went through um, not being able to be with the team for the week um, in comparison, obviously, to being with the team for the week. I mean, not ideal for sure, you know, being on Zoom all week. Uh, the best thing for me to be prepared is to be able to repeat the plays and practice and, and then the walkthroughs, you're hearing them two or three or four times and it becomes kind of second nature. You can almost finish the sentence for Matt. Today, like I told him, pregame was going to be more uh, Ron Burgundy-ish uh, where, you know, sometimes I just got to repeat exactly what's being said verbatim uh, and kind of feel my way through some of the plan. But I feel like Matt did a nice job of, limiting the, the uh, you know, long play calls early in the game. There's a lot of run it plays, but uh, not a lot of cans or uh, adjustments on them. So I think that made me settle in a little bit. Uh, but, but yeah, not ideal for sure. It'd be nice to go through a full week next week. So again, that, that stuff matters. I mean, it's one thing to kind of go through um, the process of saying, this is what we want to do. This is what we want to implement. This is how we want to attack them. And that's all great. It's another thing to actually be there and try it. You know what I mean? To, to say, okay, we're going to try to run this. Let's try to get in sync on these plays. Let's let's run these plays and see how it goes. And and, and being able to work out kinks. Here's why that's not working. What if, what if we tried this? What if we did a little bit of this? What if we threw that wrinkle in there? And he's talking about cadence. You know, there's certain things he would want to do in a normal game, but he didn't trust that his offensive line would really be able to, to, to follow along with him because it's not stuff that they've been working on. And I'm sure that follows that that follows with um, with checks and, and audibles and things. You know, again, you, you, you formulate a plan, you try to work it out in practice, and then you tweak. If you don't have practice, we just say this is probably the plan, and we'll just ride it, and we'll see how it goes. So, anyways, um, I think that's good. We'll leave it at that. Tomorrow is going to be PFF Day. Uh, you folks have yourselves a fantastic Monday. No, Tuesday. Today's Monday for me. You have a great day. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.